your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Welcome back, everyone, to the American Toffee Podcast. With you, as always, your host, Ryan Williams, and co-host, James Boyman in the house. Um, We're here to summarize and recap the summer transfer window for the Everton Football Club. As you know, silly season ended, at least for everything but the English Championship and Premier League today, this evening. And as you would, of course, expect, the social media overreactions were above and beyond. Um, But uh, that shouldn't be a surprise. We should know that by now. Unfortunately, Everton were not the most active club, at least in bringing in. We did have some outgoings. But before we do that, instant reaction, James Boyman. The instant reaction has to to be a slight feeling of of being underwhelmed, given the number of deals that... Everton were rumored to be working on in the up up to the deadline. It is disappointing. And I think all the business that we did early on in the window, I think fostered a general kind of positive sentiment among the fan base with the assumption that there would be more to come. Yes. As the days started to wind down, it became more and more apparent that that was unlikely, but held out hope until the very end. But it's hard not to feel a little disgruntled given the patently and blatantly obvious holes in the squad that we neglected to fill this window and in prior windows. So we're pretty thin in some areas. I do think that the signings we made will improve us in certain areas. And I think it was important that we retained some of our better players, some of our best players, but at the end of the day, you're right. The reactions calling Marcel brands a fraud saying that this squad is done are just not warranted in my opinion but then you look at the graphic of how much the clubs around us were able to spend and Everton coming in at under a two million pound net spend uh, or gross spend even doesn't sit right I think with a lot of people and rightly so it's just just not enough money invested in a squad that needed investment you said it well the deals that happened first were fine they were cheap ways to fill out the squad and save us money so that we could spend it on our bigger needs, the right side. And and I don't think we addressed it. I mean, Andrews Townsend was our big incoming uh, to uh, solve the right wing position. And I'm glad he started out and played all right, at least last week, but it's just not enough and it's disappointing. And yeah, I mean, we were the only team that I, I think the lowest spenders beside Everton were what, like 16 mil. 16 yeah, Watford, I think it around 16 million. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Those are the teams that are going up. I mean, that is a low number for a team going up for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you're just waiting for something else to come. And when it never kind of happened, you just shake your head like, what is going on? Um, it's disappointing. I think it is. Uh, but look, you know, if you don't have any money, you don't have any money. And, and you knew eventually with some of the reckless spending we've done in the past, certainly, although Marcel Brands has brought some of that under control uh the lack of sales ultimately is a big factor i think Bramley more is a big factor too if farhad mashiri is financing the whole first phase by himself I-, I think reason stands that he may not want to finance a transfer window by himself as well 
And I think there is some merit to that because you could maybe do a move or two that kind of works you around financial fair play and helps. And he could still front the cash for that, you know, kind of kicking the can down the road. We did not do that. And I think some of the structures of our deal or two maybe lend to some of that reality as well. But that would also be disappointing because I do think with the decent rice side, this is a pretty good team. I agree. I totally agree. And I think that was the frustrating thing is we did our squad assessment. We did one the previous year in both cases. Our recommendation was sign some guys to play on the right. Yep. And we barely have done that. We did bring in, of course, some guys. And, and importantly, the thing we've talked about as a kind of a recurring theme, Ryan, is we've got to shift some of these big contracts, some of these uh, quote, quote unquote, deadwood guys that just never really were destined to feature. And we got guys out at least now I think the hope was we would move guys out that would then enable us to move guys in. It was kind of a uh, one way pathway of guys leaving and not a whole lot coming back the other way. It was, and we'll kind of compare where, what we guessed we thought the club might do with what they actually did. And it was very different, but I think the outgoings was probably the driving force behind that. Um, So let's go through the people that did actually move. Uh, Obviously we had some earlier activity in the window. Um, but just this past week, Shao Virginia went out. I think it was uh, maybe it was a week ago or so. I think um, season long loan to uh, Portuguese champions, Sporting Lisbon Club de Portugal. Be careful. Don't say it the wrong way. They get ticked when you do. Um, I believe there's an option to buy. I think it's not perfectly certain. The club didn't indicate there necessarily was for three point five million euros. Um That's an interesting option. I don't know what kind of chances he'll get there. I think most likely he'll be in a reserve role, but who knows? You know, they may feel like he's a good investment in the future. Uh, He certainly has some talent. Wasn't surprised to see him go out, though. I mean, you've got to develop pathways for younger players, and I think we're doing that here. Yeah, I think so, too. Look, I think, you know, we brought in Virginia from Arsenal a few years ago. He's made a couple of appearances for us. The Reading loan, I think, lives long in the memory and infamy. Yeah. Due to the howlers did not go well, yeah. <laughs> a disaster class in loan. Oh. Um, but I think it's time for Virginia to make a move. I agree. The, the destination is a bit peculiar because he probably won't play very much, but he'll be back in his native Portugal. Hopefully get some uh, valuable experience as a <laughs> deputy keeper and potentially turn a profit on him. Yeah, if, if they go for him, they go for him. I mean, it's not a massive yeah. number, but I mean, how much are you going to get for a keeper at that? You know, it's right, right. So I, it's okay. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world unless he, of course, turns into a, a world beater. Um, Terry Small was the other curious one. Um, we did not accept a fee, I think, of $1.5 million with which is what Southampton kind of offered. And we, we kind of did some mockery of this one before in one of the other shows, so I don't think we need to beat it into the ground. Um, but depending on the timing of that, we'll probably be awarded, I, I would guess, probably a little more than that, two, $2 million at least. I think the biggest one uh, ever was... Harvey Elliott for like around four, uh, who knows, maybe it could be, it could be that kind of number, but, um, disappointing. It's also very strange since we didn't bring in, um, a left back or a player that seems obviously capable of playing left back because it seemed like that might've opened up a pathway for him, but it happened. And it's worth mentioning, I suppose. Um, because I think when it's coupled with the next person, Niels and Kunku going out on a season long loan to standard liege, no buy option. Uh, I think that's kind of works together almost in a way probably probably begs some questions to be asked, although I think for the individual, it's the right thing to do. I mean, you can't sit there and try and sign talented players like this for free 
out of clubs like Marseille and not have a pathway. I mean, it's the exact same reason why small left, at least in his yeah. words, besides us, you know, not being a family club in Liverpool, <laughs> being not the metropolis that Southampton is. But yeah, I mean, so is it wrong for me to suggest that if you don't do some of these things, suddenly Everton is not going to do as well in the market in these types of situations? And they there's some real finds here. And Marcel Brands has shown, at least in the Netherlands, that he's very good at finding kind of these young players coming out of academies, you know, and, and selling to them and bringing them in for low cost and then getting something out of them. Yeah, I think that's ideally what we would see with Niels and Kunku. I do think you're right there. The, the Nkunku and small moves are kind of intrinsically linked and not necessarily in a good way because if small sure. was ready to move because he didn't feel there was a pathway and then all of a sudden our depth chart at left back looks like paper thin after Luca Dean it makes you wonder really and small probably wasn't ready to make the next step nor was Nkunku. I think people saying well we, we moved Nkunku on a loan now we have no depth Nkunku wasn't ready to play, start at a Premier League level nowhere near it just yet. <laughs> And so I think this is good for his, his professional development. And it doesn't necessarily hurt the first team all that much, although people were reacting as if it did. Uh, yeah, well, again, overreaction, but he's got to play. I mean, he has to play. People think right. that, I mean, he wasn't playing at Marseille. He was playing in the fourth division of France. You know, it's a, you know, some of the teams in that league are semi-pro, I think. Uh, I mean, so, and we saw him and he's still really raw, but I mean, you can see he can make an impact. He's got incredible pace. He's got incredible athleticism but tactically and even technically he's not there yet, you know, and, and he needs to learn. And that's a league where they, they afford young players, the opportunity to play. And, and he'll probably keep getting chances there because of his athleticism is elite. So let's see how it goes, you know, it could be a very good situation for him. I hope he develops. And if so, we've got a gem on our hands and we don't ever have to worry about this again. And we can get him in the mix more often. He's the type of guy that can attack on the left side too and play higher. So um, we'll see how he's used, you know, and if he, who knows, maybe ends up being a left wing or something. That's not the worst thing either, but he's going to get a chance to play consistently. We hope there. And if he does well, it's going to work out for us, but you know, it's always up to the player to do well. Um, the big outgoing though, however, is Moines scheme. Now we had assumed that was going to happen. Um, were you surprised by the structure of the deal? Let's go through it in a second, but I want to get your reaction first. Yeah. So not surprised that Moise Keane was leaving. We've talked about it for better part of a year, essentially, since he yeah, first right. went out on loan. No surprise. I mean, the least surprising thing ever. And in terms of the loan deal, it's a two-year loan obligation to buy, which seems to be Juve's uh, preferred method to secure some of these deals for players and test the waters a little bit and then eventually assimilate them and, and eventually do some really shrewd bits of business. <clears throat> I think the thing with Keen was he didn't want to be here really. And we were always going to look for a ways to move him on. And it looked like that might've been PSG. They didn't want to cough up the cash. And of course, Juve, when they sold him to us, inserted that right of first refusal to be able to match any other bid that came in. And so with Keen returning to the academy through which he came up at Juventus, he seems thrilled to be back based on his social media posts. Yeah. Uh, it's frustrating because we weren't able to immediately bring in the sort of funds that we thought he was like our main sellable asset that would generate revenue that would, we could then turn around and spend on other players. So the two year loan, I think we had uh, the fee at around two and a half million a year. So it'll, it'll roughly end up being a little over 5 million pounds over the course of both years of the loan. And then something like a $24 million option to buy or obligation to buy at the end of that. 
Yeah, all in pounds. So, yeah, I mean, the ESC uh, at the ESC kind of broke it down a little bit. I mean, obviously, we're still on the hook for his, the amortization of his, his uh, registration from a financial fair play standpoint. That's fine. That's not a cash transaction anyway. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, the, the loan fee in the first year, I think we got is 2.57 million pounds. And obviously, they'll be paying his wage at 2.5. So, in essence, you know, that's you know, $5.1 million of, of savings year over year in theory. I know he was on loan last year too, but it's, you know, whatever. Um, and then 2.4 in year two. And then in theory, since we're still incurring amortization, that doesn't matter. That's just passing the buck on the expense. If the obligations exercise, which most likely it will be, it'll be in his last year. Um, the obligation I think was for 28 million euros. That comes out to about 24 million pounds. Um, and the gain in essence would be about 19 million pounds because book value at that point is only going to be 5 million. So if this same schema is in place in two years, we'll have a lovely profit that we can deal with. Uh, yeah. So you want to, those yeah. who have been shouting that this was a horrible bit of business because we didn't make any money on Moise Keen. Um, it's, that's not true. It's, we're, it's, we're in essence recognize. So the challenge is it would have been nice to recognize it now because then right. you could have had some stuff to play around with from a financial fair play standpoint. But but you know what? To be perfectly honest, it might not be as much. I mean, we are in, in dire straits in that regard, but it also may be more of a cost savings thing. So Moshiri can help pay for the first phase of the construction a little bit. I mean, I, I that's right. not insane, but it is disappointing. It does kind of contribute to that narrative that we're going to kind of stay afloat and be cheap until that happens. I hope that's not true. But um yeah, it's it's kicking the can down the road and recognizing the gain downstream uh, and giving us a little bit of an inflow now to kind of make the books match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you considered we don't know what kind of loan fee we got for him at Paris, certainly the wages were paid for. Right. I mean, you know, in essence, we did not incur that much of cost at the end of the day, you know, or after several years we will have made out on the deal, at least from a positive standpoint, from a gain standpoint, and we'll get in essence way more than we paid for him uh, downstream and either wage forgiveness or, or fees. But still, still, you know, that, that only works if you send a really valuable asset like this out on loan and then bring someone else in on loan. You know what I mean? Exactly. Right. Because otherwise now you've got like, you know, market value of however million pounds. And again, I mean, it's obvious the market, not too many people have money. You know what I mean? That that's sure. That was a clear, clear factor in a lot of these dealings. Yeah, I mean, and look, PSG, who we thought might be interested, I mean, they spent big on Hakimi. That's true, you know. Um, but even Nuno Mendes, that they kind of pulled the trigger on uh, today, who's a fantastic left-back talent uh, from Portugal, and he was alone with an option to buy. This is PSG. They don't need to loan an option to buy anyone. They just drop bank and move on. Um, but it goes to show, I mean, everyone's got a bit of a crunch right now. And now I think, I think, had Real Madrid dropped money earlier in the window a couple days ago on Mbappe and got that over the line. Suddenly, I think the market flushes with cash and I think yeah. PSG starts going crazy. Maybe they buy uh, Mendes outright. You know what I mean? There, there's a lot of things that could have happened, but there's not liquidity out there because Real Madrid was one of the few clubs that are actually in a good position from a financial fair play standpoint. So by the and way, the and the rumor was that they turned down a deal around 200 million yeah. for him. And so they're playing this ridiculous game of chicken with Mbappe because obviously the risk there's it's, it's madness. And it says a lot about the state Why of the would modern you game do that when you're, when you have a club that's in a position to turn down that type of cash for a player that they risk losing on a free in very short order. 
Well, it'll be very interesting because it could have impact on Everton. I mean, in honesty, yeah. I mean, say in January, they come back and be like, okay, fine. 120 mil, take it or leave it. I mean, which is insane because he could sign on a free you right. know, and sign him in the summer. But if something crazy like that happens, you never know. So, um, but that was the idea. You know, we thought that might be a trickle down type of thing. And, and, you know, that, get, that gets us to a couple different things. But, but anyway, let's talk about, um, I mean, ultimately, we didn't have that much leverage. I mean, Moise Keane wanted to leave. He was, he was only going to go to, you know, a Champions League club. Um, a lot of these clubs were kind of leveraged to the hilt and up against financial fair play. Yep. Uh, we knew Juventus already had first rights of refusal. So I think anyone that expected that we we're going to get initially, we thought maybe we'd get, you know, 35, 40 million pounds for this guy. Uh, at the end of the day, that's probably the amount of fees and stuff will accumulate at least close. Um, but yeah, I think we were just a little too optimistic in our prediction going forward and, and it didn't happen. But that's that's how it works. You know, I mean, but Juventus now is a super young talent. Uh, I hope he does well. I got no problem with the guy. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, I think some are disappointed at the lack of cash up front. But we did get an incoming. We which did. Which was shocking. I mean, never saw this happening. <laughs> Who could have ever predicted this? Got to tip my cap to Ryan for the prediction. And we got it right in the squad assessment. Rafa reunited with his favorite Venezuelan striker, Solomon Rondon. The deal announced basically at the deadline. It, we knew that there were rumors circulating that it had been in the works. Yeah. Signs on a two-year deal, I believe, with a club option for a third. And it's a free transfer from China. He returns, reunites with his old boss, and we talked about it in the squad assessment. Ryan clearly provides depth in the absence of Moise Keane. Certainly, I think most of us would rather have Keane, but a guy who will come in and be content to play second fiddle to dominate Calvert-Lewin. And I think he's still capable of emulating a lot of the things that DCL does well, so we don't lose necessarily the style of play if, for whatever reason, Dom is hurt. I mean, he's hurt now, but if he's out for any extended period of time, we have that little bit of insurance. And look, I mean, the guy's a hard worker. Rafa clearly rates him and he's apparently wanted him in event basically since day one, since he arrived. And I think the deal makes sense given our financial constraints and he could turn out to be a, a little bit of a cult hero. That was my prediction. He could bag some, some interesting goals. I, I think you got it. I mean, he, look, it's not going to take him time to learn the system. I mean, he's played from right. two different places. He's comfortable with them. We all agree that it's okay to bring in a couple guys as advocates for the manager. We've said that so many times on this pod. And I, I think actually, I, so one of the things that kind of irks me a little bit out there, people are like saying he's not good enough for us. You know, he's how many goals is he going to bring? I, I don't understand that logic because he's only going to play so much. I mean, you just by right. adding a center forward does not add goals. If they never play, it doesn't matter. And I think some people are still very confused about the tactics Rafael Benitez wants to play. He's not going to play two center forwards at once. He's just not. He's not. And what Richarlison's doing right now is the same thing. He's, he's not really playing as a center forward. And that's why I keep being critical in the fact that I don't think he's a good fit just from a skill set standpoint. So you're not going to see, I mean, unless there's some bizarre circumstances, you're not going to see him paired up with Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I mean, maybe it would happen at a fluke or something, but that's not how Rafa wants to play. And that's okay. And I, I think I think you're right. He's going to allow us to do some things that we couldn't do otherwise um, because Moise Keane can't play that way. I mean, put it this way. I hope I never get to watch a cup match like that where Begovic goes three for 20, just hoofing the ball up to Moise Keane every time because he can't stop it. Right. And, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, look, Rondon's not lightning anymore. You know, he doesn't quite have the pace, but he's tricky. He's physical. He's a nice fella on the surface, but he's a bit of a, 
he's uh, he'll get in the scrum and do some things that you probably don't like if you're playing against them. And, and I think what's most important is I, I think if I had to argue what's the most important position for Rafael Benitez in terms of how he wants to play, it's a center forward. I mean, he, he just seems to do better when he's got someone bigger up there that can hold up the ball. And I think the transition, especially as we start playing some better teams where we're going to have to pack it in a little more and we see a little more of the Rafael Benitez low block, we're going to need that guy, you know, that outlet. Yes. And, and if Dominic Coverloon has a broken toe, I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a concern, you know? I mean, you got to get him off that thing. It doesn't repair very easily, you know? It right. just doesn't... That it's the type of injury that can easily linger for weeks and months yeah, because yeah, it it's so hard to heal. If he doesn't get some consistent rest, it seems like he's been training through it up to this point. Luckily we're of course at the international break DCL's withdrawn from the England squad. Yeah. So he'll get much, some much needed rest, but we need him healthy. Yeah. And but as backup Rondon fill in for some cup matches, a, an odd short rest uh, midweek Premier League game or something along those lines. Right. It's hard to be too upset about it other than what else we didn't it, it i think people are more upset about the business we didn't do than the business we did do yeah and i think that's totally fine and that gets us to some of the deals that fell through i mean don't forget to yeah. charleston i think especially in what rafael benitez wants to do looks good at center forward i think better than he does everywhere else except for left side and gray right now is excelling in left side so you never how it's now know how it's going to play out gives us some more options but yeah i mean you feel like you looked at that and said do we miss the trick on a right back so look it's very obvious who we're trying to bring in and what we're trying to do um you know, it, it was not going to be a net gain or a net spend of really anything, you know. So the first name that came up and it came up earlier, I think it was today or yesterday was yeah. uh, Maitland Niles is, is kind of the big one. And, and you know, he's he was buddy buddy with Alex Awobi that kind of grew up in the academy together. And he's a really interesting player. I think he used to fancy himself as a box to box midfielder. And that may have changed recently. He's played some right back. Uh, he's a very good athlete. I think he has a decent first touch. I think he's very smart. Um, I think he serves the ball a lot better than people realize. He has some things to work on defensively, but he's not bad. He's got good size, a good skill. He just, he seems like he could be a really nice player for us, not just at right back, but in other places. And I think the knock on him has always been like, oh, does he want to play right back? I think at this point he just wants to play. And right. it looked like that might happen. The issue there was it looks like Arsenal is moving Bellerin out. So, so when that, you know, when that looked like that was going to happen, it's like, oh, they want him to stay. It's not going to matter. And then a very strange sequence of events happened. I mean, he got on social media. I guess he got on Instagram. And what yep. was the exact? I, I can't remember the exact line, but he said, I think I just want to go where I'm wanted and where I'll play or play. something along those lines, yeah. which is pretty in today's day and age. I mean, you might as well have just like lit the Internet on fire. Arsenal <laughs> fan immediately. Arsenal I fan know. pages started picking it up uh. in. in there were rumors that the deal was very close and that that seemed to be his way of trying to push it through. We don't know whether he actually handed in any kind of like request, formal request, but we know he spoke with Arteta. That was of course when the, when the Maitland Niles rumors surfaced, we didn't know yet that Bellerin was likely moving out. And so that right. I think changed the dynamic of his relationship, but the kid wants to play and it's hard to, hard to blame him. He went to West Brom on loan last season. Yep. Did pretty well under a certain guy we don't talk about on this pod nope. and uh, <clears throat> looking to probably make the next step in his development. And just like any other young player, just trying to get regular games and it, Everton probably is pretty close to like a dream scenario for a guy like that, who hasn't quite been able to break through the ranks at Arsenal, even though they're atrocious right now and <laughs> flailing at the bottom of the table, <laughs> but he would have come in and probably been a day one starter over Coleman or pretty close to it. 
Yeah, there's no question he would have played a key role. I think he enables us to move some other guys out as well if we can get them out, you know, yep. uh, English as well. But yeah, he can back up at a couple of different places. I think he also solves your left back backup issue too because he can play on that side too. Um, but ultimately, you start thinking about it and I was like, you know what? Why would Arsenal loan them to us? You know, yeah. I mean, we're certainly going to be in comp. Oh, we hope we're going to be in competition for European <laughs> spots with these guys. So why would they want to strengthen us um arteta told him he has he's in his plans or whatever we've heard that before we know what that really means i think um but but i think i think at first when bellerin looked like he was going to be gone um and, and he did leave on loan i think to real batiste i think off the top yep. of my head um i think everyone thought i'll oh, forget it it's done but what they didn't realize is that arsenal also made a move and brought in tomiyasu from bologna and so when that happened everyone's like oh it's on it's happening it's really gonna happen and then you start thinking about it, you're like they're not gonna give them up give them to us there's no chance. Um, and I don't know, especially not do. on loan. I think no, that was the big no. thing, Ryan. Like if we were willing to pay for him, they probably would have let him go, but we wanted him on a loan with like an option or obligation to buy. Right. And uh, they weren't willing to do that. And it's hard to fault them for that logic. Right. Why would sure. you strengthen someone who is currently for far cheap. above you in the table? Yeah. And, and it, it just wouldn't make sense from their standpoint. So <clears throat> unfortunately fell through. I think that was the one many people were excited about. It obviously addresses our most pressing need, but, we also had this kind of lingering rumor of Diaz from Porto and James supposedly trying to orchestrate a swap deal of some sort with a fee involved. And that also fell through. So on one hand, we missed out on Diaz. On the other hand, we get James for another year. It appears. This one, I just, I didn't see it that it was going to happen. You know, I just, I didn't see how this was going to possibly get pulled off uh the thing is diaz is really good you know he had yeah. a spectacular copa america he's got a great right foot he just reminds me a lot of one other player richarlison um he is just like him he's very similar you know what i mean i think the only difference is he he's maybe a little less of a playmaker not that richarlison's an amazing playmaker necessarily he does contribute on the defensive end like he fights he claws he'll win balls he'll get into duels uh, not quite as good in the air Ezra Charleston, but he's big too. He's got decent size, he's probably five, 11, six feet. Yeah. He just scores bangers. You know, he just seems like the yeah. perfect guy that can run with the ball. He's decisive, uh, direct. He'd be perfect for Rafael Benitez, I think. And, and for me, what I, when you look at that profile, I mean, you know, I went through Y scout and kind of, you know, set the filters as I usually do. And looking at guys and players that are comparable to Richarlison guys that really score a lot of goals from that left side, you know, will dribble, will dribble with some efficiency. You know, and also contribute on the defense, man. So guys, some guys jumped out at you like Kisa, like no surprise there, right? I mean, sure. that's I mean, if you think about him, I mean, yeah, he's a wild man, but that, he's he's similar. You know, he goes for every ball. He's tough. He fights. He claws. Um, and uh, yeah, so when I saw that, I'm thinking this has got to be the Richarlison replacement. It just didn't see. So I, I don't know what the logic was here, what the play was for Porto. I mean, obviously, Hamez going back to his former club. I get that. You know, that's a nice attraction. But what, what's the proposal going to be? We pay half the salary. Like, how would that even work? Because we, I mean, he's gone next year if we want him to be because we've got the option. So it's kind of like, what is the long-term savings here by losing the wages? You know what I mean? You pay for half of it. That's basically right. 5 million. And Porto's sitting there thinking, okay, well, I'm going to pay this guy 5 million, but I'm also giving you my big centerpiece. Now they have to sell by most accounts. You know what I mean? To, for financial fair play reasons and whatnot. But I'm sure they can do some other stuff. And I just... He's their prized asset right now. Uh, right. That being said, probably not January, but when it comes in the summer and 
you know, don't be surprised depending on how things go this year for Charleston. You know, this is the summer he goes. Uh, I would, this would be the first guy I would look at in terms of bringing it. Yeah. And I think I'd be surprised if we didn't renew some sort of interest there likely. And I think that's, I think most fans at this point are resigned. I think if you asked them a week ago, they would have been resigned to Richarlison leaving for, for PSG to replace yeah. Mbappe. But that obviously changed very quickly. And so, you know, we look now, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we do look now at another season with Thomas Rodriguez. And we have talked about the relationship between he and Rafa extensively on this show. But, and I got in, put out a tweet last night and basically said, I mean, it seems like the sentiment among large sections of the fan base is that James should just be a bench player for us. And yeah, I know Ryan, what is going, please explain <laughs> this to me. How does he go from suddenly being debatably our best player? Is it just because he got on a jet to go home and visit his family? That, how is the, that on him? I mean, that's Ancelotti is the one that said, go ahead. I, I like he asked, you could say, oh, well, he should know better. Stay with, is that why we suddenly don't like him? Or we found out that he was on big wages. I mean, no joke. He was literally on some of the highest wages in the entire earth um, yeah. for a footballer when he was at Madrid. We we all knew that. Have we forgotten his contributions last year? I mean, he was when he played and he played more than half the game so that we can cut that silly narrative out on a condensed schedule. And I recognize he has some fitness issues. You know what I mean? He's got hamstrings. Yeah. He's got muscular issues. But look, on his day, we don't have anyone better. I mean, I'm sorry. Not, we just don't. No one remotely close. And so. It, it just fascinated me how quickly it be, went from people saying that Hamas is the best player, like older fans saying he's the best player they've seen in their lifetimes, put on an Everton shirt to, oh, this guy can leave. We don't want him. And I think it's rooted in this um, this feeling that we want all the players to be fully committed to the club and, and live and breathe Everton the same way that most of us do. Uh And that's totally valid. And I understand that. And I think people took some of his Twitch comments and, flippant remarks about who we're playing at the weekend and all those sorts of things. And and they took it a little bit personally. And so in response to that, as well as the likelihood that he would leave, the response was, well, we don't need him anyway. We don't even want him. What, what, who cares? But it doesn't change the fact that, look, this guy is a elite, elite player when he's fit and motivated. And if Rafa Benitez manages to patch up any past qualms that they had between one another, because right now they have no choice. James is going to right. want to qualify the, for the Colombian squad in the World Cup. He's going to want to be playing. He needs to be playing. And so it's really just a standoff between those two. And I think we talked about it. We didn't think it was likely James would stay, but if he stays, he can finally play in his natural position because he's not going to be pushed out wide and he can play with guys with pace around him. And we know what an unbelievable passing range he has. And in a, on a quick break scenario like Rafa wants to do, I see no reason why he can't fit in and be really effective for us if the conditions are met. Obviously, he has to want to play and be motivated, and Rafa has to want to play him. But barring, assuming those two things both happen, I see no reason why he can't have another really good year for Everton. I I understand a lot of people think that, well, he's not athletic. You know, he can't fit into what Rafael Benitez wants to do. And I just don't get that at all. Um, it's not like Rafael Benitez has had every single player on the pitch at all times as a pure athlete. Uh, and, and we're not Real Madrid in terms of talent. Yes. Like, right. you know, you want to try and get as much from him as possible. And I, I fail to understand why anyone would think that James Rodriguez would not be better in that second striker creative role 
as some of the other as anyone really on the team. You know, I, I just yeah. don't I don't understand what people are thinking there. Like Juan Mata had one of his best years ever at Chelsea under Rafael Benitez. Is he some raging athlete that I missed? No, he's not. Look, is Iosi Perez some phenomenal athlete? No, not really. No. I mean, he's not slow or anything, but he's not some blazing guy. He's crafty and smart. And I just think, God, second ball's coming off a dom to, to Hamez's feet. I mean, imagine him spewing the ball outside to Richarlison and Gray. Right. I mean, I, I think that's exciting and interesting. I agree. Totally agree. With you know, and if Dom's banged up a little bit, imagine that coming off of Richie with Alex running around like a maniac out there. I just think that there are a lot of possibilities there. And guess what? Say he can only do it 60 minutes in a match. Fine. And what's the defensive responsibilities there, too? I mean, the two guys we're defending in a 4-4-2 right now. The two guys up top, we're not doing high pressure here. Right. We're just preventing like we saw it in the bright match. I mean, Basuma is obviously a very dangerous player, you know, and when Richarlison and Dom were the two up top, they did a pretty good job denying him the ball. Now, eventually, when Alex came in for a little bit and I can't remember who else it was in there, they didn't do as good a job as kind of and Richarlison was still up there. They didn't do quite as good a job because of lack of familiarity, maybe with with preventing that that pass. But are you seriously telling me James Rodriguez can't handle that role? I, I'm sorry. I just dis, I disagree. Or if you're going to play him on the right. So Benitez played him a lot on the right. And he put someone like Bale in the middle, even though that seems to be a reversal of roles. Um, the problem we have now is you didn't get a right back. That's super athlete. And, right. she and, and Seamus is just not, you know, he's not the type of player that's going to be comfortable. He really likes that half space more cutting inside and stuff. So um, maybe that's not the perfect fit. But I, I just this idea that every single player in the team needs to be some super uber athlete is just not really true. Um, and I, I just, I cannot imagine. So if we're playing against Burnley and we're going to have a little more of the ball than we have in other, at other times, you seriously telling me you don't need someone of that kind of quality to break them down. I mean, that guy has any time and space on the ball within 25 yards. He can put it right on someone's foot. He can put it right on Dom's head or he can bang it into the goal. I mean, we're going to need that at some point. I just, I don't understand how this guy has suddenly gone from being the superstar for us to like, we need to get rid of him. I mean, it's not like he wasn't productive last year. It just, it totally mystifies me. Uh, I, I don't quite understand it. I, th I think maybe there's some confusion. Everyone thinks, oh, he just doesn't want to be at Everton. I still think there's some issues there where we hired the one manager we know he doesn't get on with. Sure. And, and I, and so I think there's still a little bit of a chicken and egg thing. A lot of people think, oh, he wanted out anyway. It's not on Rafa. Well, if we hired someone else, would he be fine? You know, I, so I don't, I don't think that's, I don't know. It's disappointing, but we'll see. We shall see indeed, but let's uh, let's move on because obviously we'll see we'll see what Rafa wants to do with him, how he wants to be utilized. I I think I, I said it last night on Twitter. As long as we're winning, he doesn't have to play him. If we start underperforming and we're playing games against the Burnleys of the world, and we're not able to um, break him down, and you know, yeah, right, you're going to be like, okay, well, this guy is literally exactly what we sure. Need, so yeah, let's bring right. him. But let's uh, let's move on. We had. Rumors circulating that we were interested in Sheffield United young striking prospect Daniel Jebison. Uh, and that was a bit of a weird one. He certainly seems like one for the future rather than one to come in and contribute right now. That ended up not happening. And uh, Jebison ends up joining Burton Albion on loan on deadline day. Yeah, I guess he wanted to play for Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Uh, the rumor was we made an offer for five million to take him on I, i'm sorry i find some of this hard to believe and the reason why i say that is i mean is he i mean he's he's 
advanced beyond Sims. I mean, that's pretty much at the level he would play. Right. Um, shunned offers from Sunderland and Hull. Fine. Apparently, he wouldn't go to their sister club uh, in you know beer shot in Belgium. I, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what to believe, but uh, we didn't get him, and I don't. I mean, I think we're better as a first team with Alvin Solomon and Rondon for sure. Yeah. Um, and look, if we've got five million, if that means we got five million left to spend. Keep in mind, the window's still open between the championship and the Premier League. Like, you're telling me, you're telling me Kenny Tate wouldn't be a nice pickup? <laughs> and look, I mean, the bottom line is that John Joe Kenny could still go. You know, it's just a matter of function of price. I mean, the rumor was two years ago, Marcel Brands priced him at seven mil, and no one came after him after the, after the shock alone. Um, and then he dropped the price a little bit. No one's bit. So look, maybe we take a, take a hit on him. No, it's in COVID and a couple million. He gets a chance to play somewhere else. I, I can't imagine anyone wouldn't take a chance on him, but anyway, all is not lost. I mean, it's not impossible to maybe find a right back. It's just a thought. Uh, the other right back we did go after was Rangers right back, Nathan Patterson, uh, 19 years old. I think maybe he's 20, but he's very young. Yep. Uh, he's talented. I don't know too much about him, but he definitely has good size. He has some skills. Uh, kind of broken in the first team recently, uh, even though one of their best players is their right back. Um, yeah, it seems like we made a couple aggressive approaches here. I mean, Paul Joyce basically said we made a second approach for them that was turned down. Obviously, Steven Gerrard gave his oh yeah mockery interview about five million mocking it, laughing at it like that was so professional, so impressed. Um, why don't you classy slip, guy? Why don't you slip again and lose the league? Uh, but anyway, <laughs> sorry, that love it. Nice. But I mean, seriously, why do you respond like that? That's, you know what I mean? It just, whatever. Okay. I, I guess he's, you know, he can't take a look. guess he's worth that. 20 then. Yeah. In I mean, their eyes. Right. And look, maybe he turns out to be fantastic, but I mean, I don't know. Rumor is that Patterson wasn't real happy. He liked the idea of moving to premier league, but who knows? You know I mean? Rangers were a top club this past year. They deserve a lot of credit, but I mean, look, if you, I mean, you know, the goal is to go play, you know, in a bigger club and make a lot more money. And, and that seemed like that was the opportunity, but that didn't work out. So we move on. We move on indeed. And just a couple more deals. This didn't happen. This Donnie Van de Beek (laughs) supposedly had a potential move to deadline day loan move to Everton shot down by Ole Gunnar Skolshar. It was so his agent was saying, you know, there were opportunities. It just they just wouldn't let him leave under any circumstance. I mean, where would he play? I, I, maybe that was the idea. If you moved Thomas out, you could kind of bring him in in the middle. I mean, he's kind of a tweener player. I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's a clever player, but I mean, that's just that, that would just be very silly. I think for me, um, just strikes me. It's impossible to look past like the obvious <laughs> Davy class. And I know, I know, I know he's a little different player, but they are both kind of smart players and get into space. But anyway, I think the other one, too, that some people just determined was a done deal because of some um questionable turkish source yeah was andre gomes was gone on loan to benfica with a buy option of 12 million euros uh turns out that wasn't quite the case yeah it seems like that that uh benfica were looking to they're trying to sell getson and yeah, I thought yeah. they were going to i think they loaned him out instead of selling him and that's why they didn't suddenly have the money to then go and go in on andre i guess that was the, I don't know if I really follow that logic entirely, but it, it didn't happen. And didn't he's going to be he's going to be hard to move. I mean, that's the bottom yeah, line is the I mean, wages. Yeah, tough. Yeah, I, there's no question. And but that being said, you know, and I think in another market, he still shows enough stuff that maybe someone would take a crack at him, you know, and depending how things reverse financially too, maybe maybe January, you know, if he gets a chance to show off sure. his wares and play a little better. But yeah, I mean, you know, we thought he might go. I mean, he 
he's not completely worthless. You know, he's still, I mean, you can't ignore his pedigree. I mean, he's had some, I mean, Barca bought him for 40 million. He was an absolute rock star at, at Valencia for, for a couple of years. One of the best players in La Liga. And that's nothing to scoff about. And even his first year with us, even though I thought he was fairly limited, he, he, you know, a lot of people thought he was good, at least good enough for us to, you know, sign him, sign him permanently, which turns out to be a mistake. But I mean, you know, hindsight. Not, well, yeah, I mean, look, Marco Silva clearly wanted him. Uh, yeah. And that was the big priority for brands. And, and I mean, that draws into questions, all sorts of issues about the structure and everything. But anyway, you know, him not going was a big deal because that would have alleviated a lot of salary, a lot of wages. And maybe you could have gotten a little bit of a fee on him. 12 million euros is about what we thought it would be. Right. I mean, I think. Yeah. In our guess, we figured he would go for about 10 million pounds. And that, that's about it. Yeah, it seems like we're pretty close. And look, uh, it seems like he may be of it rafa may be interested in using him in some sort of sub capacity he came on and he was okay against brighton Maybe. yeah um but we'll see we'll see what happens with andre clearly i think one of the more disproportionate in terms of what we're paying him versus what we're getting in the squad at the moment but uh that's again that's a hindsight thing and we have to look forward at this point and i think with that we can move into the next piece which where we look at what we actually did versus our predictions in the squad assessment yeah, when we looked at kind of impact on financial fair play and spend and whatnot. Now, keep in mind, there is a is it big dunk on on Discord that has kind of been emphasizing in his calculations. We've dropped 26 million of salary net because he's including the savings on the Carlo Ancelotti deal, I think. Right. I mean, I think yeah. I think it was him, uh, which is a wise comment. But we just kind of looked at the players out, and the players in. So, I mean, I think if we took a look at all the guys who went out, including loans and whatnot. Um, and then compared it to the money of the guys coming in with our best estimate, we figured out we saved kind of a net salary of about 15 million pounds, a little bit more. That was kind of our ballpark estimate. Um, and then the net spend. I mean, there are a couple different factors here. I mean, we figured we got maybe a million for Bernard. I think that was a conservative estimate. Um, we said freeze for Beningame and Markello too, because he went into PSV's uh, U23s. So I, I can't imagine we got a fee there. You never know. A little bit of salary forgiveness. Obviously, Bernard was on six million a year, too. So that was big. Um, and then we factored in a, a small amount for we, we guess two million might be what we recognize this year for small uh, in terms of compensation, even though there may be some stuff downstream as well. And I mean, I think we have sell on clauses for Lukaku and Vlasic. So we thought Vlasic was probably ballpark somewhere between two and four. Well, uh, you know, I think it was it's put it this way. It's, it's at least a 10 percent. You just yeah. don't know if that's from the gross of the net. Maybe it's 20 percent of the net. Who knows? We guessed it at three mil and Lukaku at 1.5. And and then when you factor in the loan fee too on, on Moise Keen, you know, you had you had in essence fees coming in of about 10 million pounds. But ultimately the big shocker was the fees that went out. You know, I mean, we we only sent out 1.5 million is all we paid out in fees. I mean, obviously agent fees, I'm sure too, for Damari Gray. And I mean the amortization on that, the addition, it's a three-year deal. I mean, it's nothing. So nothing. um right. Pennies. So Right. It really is. So, I mean, we looked at it and, we, you know, we came up with a ballpark estimate in terms of financial fair play impact being about a positive 25 million uh, to the P&L based on this. You tack on the salaries and wages, the Ancelotti deal. I mean, you're looking at 36 million pounds different year over year, I think. Uh, and that's a ballpark. Again, we don't know all the wages and salaries. We think our math is OK. Um, that's a lot healthier P&L for sure. Um and it did seem like we had some money uh, to send out potentially to get some people. So we'll see if we don't have some business still to occur. I, I think that 10 day William window again between championship and premier league sides are still there. Um, 
But look, I mean, the big difference between what we predicted and we predicted a lot more business coming in was because we also estimated a lot more business coming out. And a lot of circumstances seem like they just didn't play out in our favor. Yeah, look, I mean, we predicted that we would get fees for Gilfie Sigurdsson, for Andre Gomez, Moise Keane, John Joe Kenny, even though it was small. Bernard, we definitely overestimated, thought we'd get about five. Like we said, we predict that it was probably closer to one. And Lewis Gibson leaving as well. So those were our predictions for guys going out, as well as all the guys leaving on freeze. I mean, I think you can't understate Walcott, Belasi, Pennington, Lussell, King, Besich, all leaving and getting their salaries off the books. But I think you look at the predicted ins, Ryan, and it's hard not to feel a little dis- disappointed with what happened. I mean, we predicted Leon Bailey, <laughs> Denzel Dumfries. Well, I mean, look, I mean, the Keen deal was the big one. We figured that was going to be the one that would set us straight from financial fair play standpoint. We would have been ahead of the game on financial fair play. But again, we, we kind of kicked the can down the road. So we we're going to recognize the gain downstream. Now, had yeah. we been recognizing a $20 million gain this year, very different, right? I mean, this, totally. this window might look totally different. I mean, it's hard to also look at some options, even some cheaper options, you know, kind of on that right side at left wing and right back. I mean, you know, but it didn't play out that way. You know, maybe we would have made a move for Dumfries earlier. You know, there are a lot of different factors in here, too. But yeah, that was a big difference, man. I mean, I, I think for the most part, functionally, the decisions we made and the types of players we brought in were, were comparable. We've gone over this in the past. I mean, Solomon Rondon, to me, was still the biggest no-brainer ever. Uh, <laughs> I kind of <laughs> knew that was coming. And, and But the thought was that would enable us to buy in some other areas, and that just, that just didn't happen. So, I mean, it's very fascinating. But so when we, when we lay out the lineup and take a kind of look at everything, I mean, is this good enough, Hamez? I mean, where are the where are the gaps here? And and do we have too much in certain places too? And I mean, could something happen in the next 10 days? I would I have to think that we'd be looking now at whatever options are at our disposal in terms of transfers from guys coming from the championship um, to, to fill some of these gaps. Now, I think you look and you, you ask the question, well, is the squad on paper that we have now better than the squad we had at the start of last season? And I think... A lot sure. of people would agree that we're better. Yeah. We're improved, at least in terms of, you know, the first 11. And, you know, we have JPG returning a, a little bit more depth in some areas. And what Benitez have, wants to do, Let, you know, because sure, we've talked about that a lot. The on the pod. Yeah. Putting someone in some of these guys, I think, are going to be used a little bit better than maybe they were yeah. in the past. I, I think we've been surprised at, at Alon looked very good last week. I still think he's kind of the type of player that maybe wouldn't do as well, but other guys are excelling. You know what I mean? To Corey, I think a is a good fit for this type of tactic. If they could just get him the heck off the right side, uh, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? So some of that does account for it does matter. And I, I think Benitez's system may be a little bit, a little bit limited. I mean, I don't know if that's a fair thing to say, but, but he's got a strict system. And I think, I think in general, our players will do better with more structure. I think, is that a safe thing to yeah. say? So, so when I we look at this thing, fair. though, yeah, I mean, so when we look at this thing, I mean, where do, where do we look light to you? I mean, it's also hard. I mean, who are you allocating? Like you look at center forward. Obviously, we got Dom Rondon now and Jenks still hurt. And, then you know, the three we're assuming four, two, three, one here. Those three, I mean, they're not totally interchangeable, but you've got Gray Townsend, Richarlison, Gordon. James now stays a God knows what's happening with Gilfie, but if Gordon stays at six for three positions, I mean, it's not a crazy number, but I mean, I, I, Anthony Gordon, I just don't see him being able to contribute a whole lot, even in cup matches. Um, but I wouldn't say we're necessarily light there. I think we're at least good until January. 
Yeah, I think the I think what's nice is that level of flexibility across that front three to some extent. I mean, I think you can play Damari Gray and Richarlison across any uh, on either wing. I think Alex Iwobi, we've talked about probably better center or left, but yeah, I, I think I just I'm I most wish, excited I wish that left footer was there, though. I mean, you know, I, what I mean, like that's totally that's totally. the one you look at and you're like, God, you know, and you, you see some guys out there, too, like. I mean, I'm not saying Victor Skanoff is going to come walk into the Premier League, but like a guy like David Neres. Yeah. God, Lester seemed like they were close to him for like 17 million euros. Again, that's just speak transfer speak. But that guy's good. He's a good left footed player. Just seemed like he would fit. I mean, but again, you know, if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. Um, You know, it's not it's better than it was. And it's a better fit for Rafa for sure. Yeah, it, we've got the pace. I think I'm most excited about the possibility of seeing James being able to actually play at the number 10, uh, which I Me assume too. that's where he'd most be, we'll be best utilized. I, and really, look, you said God knows what's happening with Gilfie, and we we don't we don't need to speak about it too much in terms of the off-the-field stuff. But the narrative that hasn't really been talked about because of the off-the-field stuff is the fact that he's not playing, I think, has been one of the main reasons why we've looked so much better that and the tactics because you talked about how little he offered from open play you put basically anyone else in there with any degree of competence and it's going to be an improvement i think we've seen that i think if you put hamas in there you'll see even more of it especially with guys with pace to burn on either side of him and andrews townsend i know he's not your favorite ryan but he's still a useful player in certain sure. situations to rotate in and he works his socks off and and he can serve a ball when he needs to so yeah, and Gray also can take set pieces with his right foot just fine. So we're not sure. losing anything in that. Not that not that Carlo cared one way or the other. I mean, so if I look at it, I think the strength in this team from a depth standpoint, a lot of people may argue with me, is the central midfield. You got the Corey, Alon. I think Bamin is a fantastic backup. He can sit. He can he's also like a new run signing. the ball a little bit. Hey, man, you know, he's a super talent. It's going to take him a while. Uh, I know everyone bags on Fabian Delph, but if he's healthy, he can help us. I don't care what people say. You're, you just can't. You know, he's good. He can keep the ball. He can help kill games. He's smart. He, he's positionally adaptable. You know, he can help us at left back because we may need it. And Tom Davies is still here. And Andre Gomes is still here, too. They at least bring some different things to the table. Now, some of that may change. But I mean, that's six people, in essence, for for two spots. You know, that yeah. is plenty to me. You know, I mean, plenty, especially looking at the wages. Um, and and I, I mean, it's center half. We've got five center halves now. I mean, Jared Brantwith, he mentioned he wanted to stay and kind of learn. And, and that's fine and all. But. And maybe that's the right thing to do. But I mean, we got plenty of numbers there for sure. The numbers are at right back are fine, right? Seamus, John Joe, Holgate can can play there. But I mean, let's be honest. When you look at that, you think, yeah, the top end is just, I mean, Seamus is going to be 33 in October. Um, I mean, you, you can't realistically think that he can be the week in, week out guy. I, I think his look it's been and that's what's that's the position right that's the most key one is we've been looking for his successor now for several years and have yet to really make any sort of move to indicate that that is a long-term priority which is discouraging so coleman can't play week in week out i think that's a no. fair assumption and and look it, i mean his defensive metrics we've talked on this pot have been very amazing good. this year right incredible but you know how many touches he's gotten the penalty area this year in three games one Two. Two? Okay. Was two. Close. Now, one was a penalty, of course. That was lovely. Sure. Um, but the point is, that's two in 270 minutes of game time. So that is approximately one every 135 minutes of game time. He has never in his career had, you know, where he averaged um, more than 61.2 in the last four years. 
Like he's normally hovering around 50. So look, these are teams that will allow you to get up and down the field. You know what I mean? Um, so do we really think he's going to be a more effective attacker or more aggressive against when we're packing it in? I mean, he just doesn't have the ability in the pace, frankly, to get up and down the field anymore. It's admirable how well he's playing and how hard he yeah. is defensively. But without an option with pace that can attack wide, I mean, God, like, I, I just think it takes away so much from the team. And it's, I don't know, maybe we'll play three center halves and play wing backs. We look like garbage when we did that in the cup, but you never know. Um, and then there's left back. I mean, who the heck? I mean, Ben Godfrey can play backup left back, but we've talked about what happens when you put either him or Holgate in at fullback. Yeah, it's just far too limiting in terms of even defensively. I think it limits us in some regard, but it all certainly limits us going forward. I mean, if we're we looked very defensively sound with uh, the four center half formation that Carlo rolled out last year, but <laughs> just so comically oh, bad going forward. And so we just pray for Luca Dean to be healthy all season. And I don't know, I, Fabian Delph could back up left back, could play back up left Maybe. back, but I, he played in a very different system, obviously under Pep. And I True. don't think he's particularly suited to play the position under Rafa. So no. it, it is going to be a little nervy every time Luca Dean, you know, goes down with a apparent injury this season. I think we'll all be holding our breath. Yeah, I, I agree. And and so let's go to some of the discord reactions because we had a lot of dialogue about this. And I think the summary is, I mean, it's hard to see anyone out there that isn't upset that we didn't get a right back. I mean, I think some people are overreacting because, well, because my response to that is pretty simple. It's like, okay, well, let's say truly we had no money to offer, period. Let's say it's a zero sum game right now. Who do you not do on this list? Do you not do the Damari Gray? So find me a right back that's a free. That's going to be improvement over Seamus and John Joe, and you probably can't. So yeah. that so that's a little bit of the limiting factor here. I mean, we're not talking about, a, you know, Seamus Coleman is not one of the Premier League leading right backs anymore, um, but it still costs a certain amount to upgrade over someone like that, you know, significantly right. upgrade and then pay him on top of that. So if money's tight, I mean, you can't just get anyone. That's for sure. Now, if you could move John Joe out, that's something different. But anyway, um, I digress. So uh, Matt, one, one, two, two. Oh. Yes, Matt. I mean, I'm glad that he's back a little bit more. That was good. But um, four bleeping windows to sign a right back. And we end up with bleeping John, Joe, Kenny laughing. My, you know what? Um, okay. I mean, that, that It's a sentiment that a lot of people have shared. So I can't, I can't say. Um, Big Matt Cleavy took a slightly different approach. I thought, um, you know, with the, um, the, um, vid graphic. Nope, gif. everything hurts and I'm dying. That's his reaction to the transfer window closing. Uh, yeah. I, like that one. I mean, I, I thought the Penny Blue, Ethan Xander, I, th I think his, his is rational. You know what I mean? I think there's totally. some air to this one. And look, he said it's very simple. I mean, we had no money to spend with Gray, Townsend, and Begovich in that was probably us maxed out at around 6.5 million added this season from a wage standpoint, you know? And so his theory is, and it's an interesting theory thing is fullback is probably the lowest cost position to sign a player from with also being the area of least depth in the game in terms of talent. That's a pretty sweeping generalization, but it's not crazy. I mean, you know, a top right, you can get a top right back, right back in particular, like who are the top right backs out there? I actually don't think there's that much of a difference. I agree with Penny. I don't think the top right backs that were available, like Emerson went to Spurs for 25 yep. million euros. The difference between him and like some of the other guys at the low end, like Montiel went for like 8 million euros. I don't think the difference is that massive. So I, I do think you could get, and look, John, if you could move John Joe, you could maybe take a chance on like a younger 
talented, more athletic guy that would be a better fit for Rafa. Maybe can't serve a ball like John Joe, but a guy that can really run. And, and maybe you work out, you know what I mean? And you could do that from a fairly inexpensive fee, but if you can't move out John Joe, what the heck are you going to do? So, um, it, you know, his, his line is the right one. Just what we said. He's like, look, he said, there are no premier league lever level starters on a free, even a good market. So his point is, if you've already spent the 6.5, then what? Were you not going to get those guys? And you had two guys already in there. We explored the loan market, but nearly all the other clubs are struggling financially and everyone wants their pay out now. Not a potentially delayed sale. Yeah, right. Of course. So look, bad market, bad financial situation for us and a, a funny position to fill, you know, and, and there's a lot of risk with that, too. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's a valid, a valid point of view for sure. Yeah, no, I think Penny makes obviously made some really good points there. And it is true. Like we, we're not just going to. People are like, oh, well, why doesn't Marcel Brands like bring in, you know, these young unknown guys? Well, it's that's much easier said than done. Like in today's day and age, there are no really unknown guys. Yeah, there aren't the guys unknowns, are man. I can dial up right now the Belarusian second division on my computer and watch. I mean, that's it doesn't work that way anymore. Why do people say that we hired brands to find the polished gems? Where is that written? Who decided that was the case? That has never been uttered by anyone at Everton or anyone. I mean, that's just not, that's not what he did at PSV. That's not what he did at AZ. Anyway, I just hate that angle because it's not fair. He was brought in to be a director of football, which I don't even think he's been allowed to do. That doesn't specifically insinuate that he is, you know, needs to spend money a certain way. And we're Everton too. We're not in the Dutch league. Exactly. I think that's the thing people miss. It's like, if he was making the same sort of caliber signings, he was making a PSV for Everton. It wouldn't make any sense. Like it's totally different level. All that sort of stuff. But anyway, let's keep going with the Discord reactions. We had Sled Viggs said, I think we were forced to be very pragmatic in our buys, especially considering the restrictions of financial fair play. Got rid of some players who needed to go. True. Big disappointment for me is the lack of decent depth at both fullback positions, especially right back. So yeah, sticking yeah. with the theme here. And I don't think he's he's certainly not alone. Uh, we then had DJ Noah 101 said right back was definitely the biggest hole, but I don't think that automatically writes this window off. In my mind, there are two questions that need to be answered. Are we better off from before the window? I think yes. The other is that, are we better long-term? I also think yes, due to the financial alleviation, despite the lack of depth at fullback. Look on the bright side. We kept one of the most creative players in the world, shed a ton of deadwood, improved and improved our winger depth. It's a shame we couldn't take advantage, but at the end of the day, I don't think this window was as disastrous as people make it out to be. And I think that is one of the most level-headed takes I've seen so far. Yeah. I mean, you compare it to our competitors though, you know, and you feel like yeah. God, we could have done better, but, but put it this way. I mean, you're, you're changing systems. A lot of people said, Oh, well, Carlos sat back. It's not the same. The systems are different. And, and Rafa wants to play a certain way and the way he, he needs certain talent to be able to play that way. Well, think about it. We transformed a lot of the capabilities of the squad by spending very little. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like I, you, you really look at the guys we brought in. I mean, we have a guy that can cut in on the left foot now and cross the ball in Anders Townsend and, and, and work hard on defense. Gray has been a revelation just because his, his vertical pace. And, and it, it seems like he took a, you know, a, a gem and polished him and, and put him in a role that can help him succeed. And, and, and I don't think we even gotten close to the most out of Richarlison yet. Look at a guy like Decore. He, he, he is fit for this type of play. You know what I mean? He's not, not meant for this slow possession buildup stuff. Um, I still think we have a challenge with the lawn, but he seems to have embraced it. 
and he's adjusting accordingly. And, you know, we haven't seen the best of Luca Dean yet, but he's been outstanding just in a little different role. And I, I can't help but think you throw Yerry Mina and, and Ben Godfrey into this system. Um, it it could be exciting. Um, so look, you know, uh, I, I, there is some merit to what he's saying too. I still think we missed a trick. I the sad part is you just can't help but think and say, God, would this team look with a really good right back, a young talent, right. like a good, like someone who could really be a Luca Dean on the other side. They're hard to find, but it's possible. And a right wing that's much better than Andrews Townsend that could cut inside on his left and do some damage. And, and you look at that, you're like, oh man, you know, it's just opportunity. And, but okay, we are where we are. And it's, uh, you know, you see, it's easy to kind of think about these things in a vacuum, but then you look again at what other teams have done, what other teams have spent. Yeah. And, it's all sort of speculation at this point, but it looks like a lot of teams have done made some good moves to improve their squads. And whereas we have, I think marginally improved while spending very little. So I, I don't know what the expectations will be for Rafa Benitez at the boardroom level. Um, but we did have one more reaction before we wrap things up, Ryan from a Manhanya. Yeah. Um, it, it, similar to, to some of the ones above with the twister too inexplicable and inexcusable not to get a right back, especially when we apparently had all kinds of cash to chase Diaz. I don't know if that's true, but I mean, it might be, you know, uh, the rest is fine. Would have preferred to move some Deadwood, but they're called Deadwood for a reason. Uh, unfortunately, this seems likely to be another write off of a season. The good news is that the amount of wages expiring next summer, the excuses don't have much more shelf life. Well, that's a little depressing take, but it's a rational take, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, look, I mean, both him and Noah, you know, they're, they're different angles, but they're saying kind of some of the same things, just looking at it from a different perspective. But one thing I do like is I appreciate the Discord community. I appreciate yes. that someone can write a paragraph like that and people will read it, you know, and actually dialogue about it. It's been pretty nice with an exception to it. So, um, look, you know, to wrap, I mean, my personal opinion is, look, if we don't have the cash, we don't have the cash. What are you going to do? Um, that's frustrating. But I think we've done an admirable job, assuming this is the only cash we have, of trying to put together a team that's that's a better fit with what Rafael Benitez wants to do. But, you know, the one thing that still bothers me is is that in and of itself, the fact that we switch managers that play very different ways, very different personalities, you know, um, and, and we still said, you know, one of the biggest challenges he's going to have is retaining his talent that he already had. And besides Moise Keen, who I just don't think was a good fit anyway, and I have no problem with him going, um, he did that. Whether it was his yeah. fault, I don't know. I mean, he may have been trying to push James out, but if he can get more out of James and Richarlison than he has the first three games, which is nothing from James, and I mean, you know, Richie, we've said, has not looked his best, um, the team still does have some potential. It also has some potential gaps. We'll see how it goes. Um, I think the numbers are fine. I think people are being a little over the top with that. You know, we'll see how it goes. I mean, look, the best part about this is we're at least taking seven points out of our thir- first three matches. You know, we're not sitting here with disappointing results, and that makes yeah. it a lot more palatable. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think as long as Rafa continues to get results, then we're not going to win them all. That much is certain. But if we keep winning and we keep having a strong fan backing and all that sort of stuff, Look, the squad isn't the squad is by no means bad. We, I think it's better than the squad we had last season. And if we can avoid the catastrophic, debilitating level of injuries that we've had the last two seasons, knock on wood. I mean, again, we're okay if we have our first eleven. It's where injuries in some key positions could put us in some tricky situations. But I think, given the lack of movement this window, I think uh, 
we, we have a lot of possibilities potentially in the January window, potentially next summer. And depending on what Benitez's long-term plans are, if he's able to stick around and get results that merit him keeping his position, we can continue to build a squad in his vision and we'll see where that takes us. And I can't help but saying that, look, I mean, I, I, I just, the top three or four in this league are, we're not, I mean, I just don't see us overtaking them. You know, they're yeah, just too, no. Man City and Chelsea in particular too. I mean, they're just completely loaded. Uh, but the other teams are not, they're not so insurmountably good. Right. Um, and, you know, Arsenal looks like a mess right now. I mean, honestly, they've had some guys out. So I, I don't want to be overly critical about it, but um, I don't think Leicester looks phenomenal either. And I know Spurs has put together a bunch of points, but honestly, Wolves completely outplayed them the other day. So uh, I think there's still some opportunity. To give it a go this this season. And why don't we just see where we're at in January? You know what I mean? I mean, that 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 matters. Um, but we'll see how it goes, you know, um, and we move on. We move on indeed, but thank you everyone for listening to our transfer summer window wrap. Silly season is basically over at this point. Like we said, a couple more days left to potentially get some deals enter UK over the line, but we appreciate you listening to us talk for a little over an hour today. And we hope that you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, if you could leave us a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice, that would help us out a lot. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at USA Toffee Pod, or you can find all the links to everything, including social media, all of our podcast platforms, etc., at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. And definitely join our Discord. If you haven't already, it's a great community, great place to be. Otherwise, Thanks again. We'll be with you next time. Until then, up the toffees.